have a very special treat for you this morning. We are going to interview and hear from one of our pastors that are not paid to be on staff, but being uh, led of the Lord to accomplish as much as most credentialed ministers being paid at a church are. Hey, would you do me a huge favor and help me welcome real quick Miss Janita Morris. Come join me today. I told you she wasn't going to let you help her. <laughs> hey, so I, I, we're going to dive right in for the sake of time. I don't want to cut your story short. I don't want to cut, I don't want you to feel like you're rushed. Um, I just, uh, first of all, we, we're, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, our last week of Confessions of a Pastor, we're, we're interviewing a pastor at heart, um, a pastor who has earned the position, not just being paid to be in the position. And we're gonna talk about being kingdom-minded, being kingdom-minded today. So with all that out of the way and all the chairs set up and everybody knows what to do now for the next two services, um, can you tell us, just tell us what made you receive salvation, what caused you to finally just fully surrender your life to Jesus? And then if you were about to say anything else, feel free. First, I'd like to say thank you, Pastor Chris, for asking me to do this. I feel very humbled and honored that I have the opportunity to actually tell you what God has done in my life. Um, I'm no exception from anybody else sitting in this church. He wants to do the same thing, so I don't want you to sit there looking at me and saying, oh, he did that for her, but he can't do that for me. Mm. I'm just an ordinary person that's just willing to say yes, but I didn't always say yes. Um, I was born in a home with a mother and father, of course, and I have a brother that's 16 years older than me. Uh, when I was born at the nine months old, my father decided that he would prefer to leave us and move on with another family. Um, I guess he and my brother somehow had connected through the years and I never had that opportunity. So my perception of God was connected to my perception of who my father was. Mm. And so that was distorted from the get-go. Um, with that said, I never really had a chance to get to know him. So I have what you call daddy issues all through my um, growing up period. By the time I graduated high school, went to nursing school again, I made some poor choices with my life because of course, when you don't have God in your life, you never can make the right choices. Mm. So I began to, um, I met someone that was I suppose I was delusional, I'm gonna just say that, because what I perceived that person to be was not at all who he was. He, um, we married, and from that point on, he took me away from my family. And I, that should have been a first sign. Hmm. However, when you're young and you're immature, you wanna blame it on that. Also known as dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, we're, when we're young and dumb. He can say what, that, but I right, wasn't going right. to call us dumb. You're going you're gonna to be a little bit more careful. Yes. Uh, However. <laughs> I'm it, sorry. I'm messing your story. No, I just want to point no. something out real quick because, again, this is a little bit more yeah. freelance. You said that your view of your earthly father very much affected your view of your heavenly father, and that is a very common 
act and perception on behalf of all of us if we're not careful, no matter how good our daddy, earthly, biological, adopted, whatever, the men in our lives, period, cause us to have a certain view of our heavenly father. So I interrupted you, but you're, you're, so you got married and he he took you away from your family. He took me away from my family. And that should have been a first sign to me that this was not going to be a healthy relationship. However, once again, when you have no direction from God in your life, you don't know what direction you're going in. Hmm. You think you are doing the right things because you're basing it on what you know. Well, that relationship continued to spiral, and uh, it became quite abusive, both physically, emotionally, and verbally. And from that point on, um, I felt very much isolated from the people that I loved and who loved me. And before I knew it, I was able to somehow escape. I made it to a telephone. I contacted my brother. He did come pick me up Mm. and took me out of the state of Louisiana because in those times, there were no specific laws for abused women. And when you are an abused person, whether it's a woman or whatever you're going through, to begin with, you're afraid. You're afraid to even say it because you're already blaming yourself. Mm. And so my brother took me away and kept me away for a period of time, but then I eventually had to come back. I did have a beautiful daughter throughout this period, (laughs) and I'm thankful for her. Uh, When I did come back, Pastor Chris, I was um, open to quite a bit more abuse. I had a machete put at my throat. Mm. I had a gun placed at my temples twice. I was placed in the trunk of a car for one and a half nights. Mm. And with all that said, God protected me, and he took care of me, and he carried me through those times, and I didn't even know it. Mm. I wasn't even aware of how many times I escaped death. He had a purpose, I suppose, and I can see that now, but it took years for me to realize that. Well, with all that, eventually, I did divorce, and then, of course, I had to provide for my daughter and I, and um, I was, again, not making the right choices. I began to get involved uh, with a couple of three guys that moved next door to me, and I say that because the house that they were living in, uh, we helped to grow marijuana is what my position was. In Hippie the, lettuce. In the, yeah, I had quite a green thumb, even still now. <laughs> what can I say? That was, that was my part of the endeavor. Um, and so <laughs> we would harvest They're that. awake. Yeah, it's good. It is what it is. <laughs> and um, so they would, of course, um, share with me the, the, the earnings, should I say. But eventually that came to a halt one night when um, the police arrived and arrested the three men, the three guys, and they did serve time. Hmm. I laid on that couch in my house, and I think that was the first time I really, really cried out to the Lord. Hmm. I said, oh, Lord, please don't let me get arrested because I, by rights, should have been. Hmm. And he spared me. He spared me. They never turned my name in. And uh, to this day, I think back and I say, how God was watching over me and protecting me and trying to wake me up. He was trying to wake me up. Yeah. I was not hearing, though. I was not hearing. I was progressively getting harder, progressively telling myself that I needed to be tougher. I couldn't cry anymore. I could not even 
be kind to anybody, not even my own child, and she was just two years old. See, when you think that you're in control of a situation, that's when you're at your worst mm. because you can't control everything. And so with that, you start to put up barriers, and that's what I did. But once these guys got arrested, the house became vacant. Mm. And about a month later, I had a knock at my door, and I was on the couch. I had probably worked or whatever, and I opened up the door, and Pastor Chris, there was standing this wonderful lady with a bucket in her hand, two of them actually, and they asked if they could use the water in my house if they wanted to fill the bucket because they had not hooked up utilities yet. And uh, of course, with profanity, I slammed the door, and she persistently knocked again, and of course, I got out off the couch and with anger and profanity, I opened the door, and there she's standing there again. And she said, well, if you won't allow us to use the water in your house, will you at least allow us to fill the bucket on the outside faucet? Mm. And I consented to allow her to do that. And I slammed the door. That was Debbie Youngblood and Lynette May. <laughs> Eric's mom. That was Eric's mom. But anyway, she went back to her house, this lady. And every day at noon, she would put her son down, Joshua, for a nap, and then she would get on her knees and she would pray for me. Mm. She didn't know me, but she knew my pain because she could see it. And if we're not careful, we can ignore that on, in people's lives. And I'm reminded of Deuteronomy chapter 32 because Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses specifically wrote this song to remind the Israelites that they should never, never forget from where they came. Mm. Because when you forget from where you came, and what God has done for you, you start thinking you did it. Mm. You start saying, well, it's, it's me who did this, but it's not. And so I never want to forget. Mm. So eventually, after a period of time, Debbie persistently kept trying to talk to me. And of course, I would ignore her because I wanted nothing to do with this person. Mm. My child walked over to the fence one day. And as I walked to the fence to pull Jessica away, <laughs> uh, Debbie spoke quickly because she probably saw she only had a a short period of time and she immediately quoted John chapter 15 15 to me she said Janita the friends that you have going in and out of your home the people that you think are your friends and that you care for and that you've invested in and you've put your life into and trusted they're not your friends mm. the only friend you have is Jesus and I don't know y'all I had not cried in probably two years and from the mention of his name I can remember still feeling how something came over me and I just, I just fell on my knees. Mm. And she walked me to a tree between our houses and led me to the Lord right there. And then of course she invited me to church because they had a church, not a building of any sort, it was their home. You remember the home, the next door neighbor? Well, that house that was at one time for evil purposes was now for good. There was seven people in that house mm. that was going to church, Pastor Larry, Youngblood and his wife, Debbie, Joey Johnson, and eventually Gwen Johnson, Carol and Chucky Andrus, and uh, Miss Lynette May, uh, Miss Jeanette Cormier. There were several of us that are still here today. Now their children come to this church. Grandchildren. And grandchildren. Our own staff. That's correct. Micah. <laughs> this is Micah's. Yes. You know, the legacy that we leave just by being kind and caring for someone extends long. God's arms are long. Mm. 
So anyway, Pastor Chris, that's my story, and I've been doing that since October the 17th, 1977. <clears throat> Can I tell you that I did it always right? No. But I'll tell you, God was faithful, and he carried me through. He blessed me with a good husband. He restored what I had thought I lost. Mm. He gave me two beautiful sons. The marriage that I thought I had failed at, I succeeded. I married for 40 years until the Lord took my husband with the Lord. So he restores. Mm. He does not just allow the enemy to steal from us, but he, he gives back that and so much more. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Somebody wanted to clap. I mean, that's... There's so much there, uh, there is. and I want to I want to dig into it, but I am I am restraining myself today because I know what else you have to say because I interviewed you for Thursday online as you were preparing for your family. She took an hour. I think you had like pies in the background. I did. I could Pe smell them through Zoom. Pies. I, I could <laughs> I sense the aura coming from your home. Um, it was actually Micah that came up with this question, and we as a staff honed in on some things, but we said revival in a community, and you just pointed this out about the house next door. Revival in a community begins in the hearts of individuals, which, which we saw. Wait, real quick, where's Miss Debbie Youngblood from originally, do you know? Um, she's actually from Laplace in that area. Laplace, Louisiana. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Man. so anyway. Maybe Gwen can correct I know me. they spent some time up in North Louisiana too, but, yeah, but I guys, think. I just, the persistence of a Louisianian is <laughs> amusing to me. We need to become that. And stop complaining about the messed up house on your block and go talk to somebody. God bless. Go, go minister to somebody. Yeah. Lead them to the Lord and watch God transform the whole street. Come on, somebody. <laughs> We're talking about going all, all over town. Why don't you just go across your yard and minister to the people? Help us, Jesus. All right. Revival in a community begins in the hearts of individuals. What are some ways that you live out your faith? On a, We're talking about being kingdom-minded. What are some ways that you live out your faith on a weekly basis? Share and challenge. Well, I do my very, very best to be as genuine as I know how to be mm. and as sincere as I know how to be. People are very perceptive of who we are. And I say that because I deal with non-believers as well as believers. Yeah. I do teach a small group and I teach a freedom group. And we work with those people, but they're willing to come. But when you work with someone who's not willing to come, who mm. doesn't know Jesus right. and needs to know Jesus, like me, who's living next door, you have to take it very, very careful because they will be able to see your heart. They, in fact, they're looking for it. Mm. They're checking you out. It's as if they challenge you and they ask you questions, almost as if they want you to mess up so that they can justify why they don't want to be Christians. Yeah. We can't give them that chance. Mm. That's not our place. Our place is not to define who these people are. Our place is to care for them. That's powerful. And so when we start defining who is my neighbor, who is my brother, who are the people I'm supposed to love, mm. then you start getting into some really, really dark areas because that is not the way to minister. They need to know that you want to listen to them. Mm. The most important thing is they want to tell you their story. They want to tell you their pain because you know what? Not that they want you to fix it, but they want somebody to care about it. Mm. And just listening, Pastor Chris, 
builds a, a ground between you and them and a trust. Yeah. And then they'll listen to you. They'll eventually they'll say, well, how, how do you deal with your situation? Right. And that's, that's where I'll start. So, so we earn, earn the right to share through relationship. I love the words that you used, genuine and sincere. Uh, some people are just built to be evangelist. I mean, you just can't, you can't shut them up. Like, you're just trying to finish your grocery shopping and they just won't stop <laughs> telling you about Jesus, you know. But, but some people, uh, like me, uh, we have to do what Paul said to Timothy, not neglect the work of an evangelist. And I used to think, man, I gotta go out and some of you will recognize, Ray Comfort, everybody. You know, ABC, everybody into the kingdom of heaven. And, and I gotta lead five people to Jesus today and pray the sinner's prayer with every. But that's, which God may use you to do that at times. But predominantly, it's just being a follower of Jesus. I, my mentor would say, Jesus with skin on. Yes, yes. Um, and Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, I believe, he said, we don't have to go out and make opportunities. We just have to make the most of every opportunity. That's what we're doing is we're looking around, okay, God, how and with whom mm -hmm. do you want to use me today? Can I say something real quick? Please. Last time we had the I'm fasting. Say no. <laughs> no, I was just thinking it was coming to me. The, the last time we had fasting and we had prayer in the mornings. By the way, we do meet in the mornings, don't we? Come on, every so anyway, Sunday. Every Sunday. But anyway, um, during that period of fasting and prayer, I was sitting about over there, and my prayer was always, Oh Lord, please today send someone my way that I can minister to. That sounds really, really humble on my part, doesn't it? Mm. And then. Immediately, the Holy Spirit quickened me. He said, I like that you pray that, but he said, I don't want you to pray that to me anymore. And I thought, oh, why? Why? Mm. He said, I don't want you to expect me to send them. He said, I want you to take the time to snatch them out from where they are. Mm. He said, be bold enough to step out and see their hurts and their pains and then be willing to say, I have an answer. Mm. And I thought that was such a conviction for me because it's easy to sit back and just say, oh, send them my way, Lord, send them my way. But they're all around us. Yeah. Go ye yeah. therefore. There you go. Go. All right, so just a little bit of a change up that we wrote these questions out. And I didn't know that you had this strong conviction. You called me to share this out of concern. And I was like, no, ma'am, I release you. Please share away. Um, we devoted so much time last week to what it looks like for us, Megan and I and our staff, for us to worship God with our giving. But, but what inspires you to worship God with your giving and to continue to do so? Um, I have resolved myself as a Christian that I don't own anything. Mm. I have a business, I have a family, I have a home, I have all the amenities of life, but they're not mine. And once you start coming to a place where you realize that those things were given to you by blessings from God, and that, you know, they don't belong to you, then there's a release there. You don't have to worry about them, you don't have to be concerned because they're not mine. Mm -hmm. I'm just a steward. So if God says in Malachi 3.3 3, that if 
you will give me 10%. That is just a small drop in the bucket when God's asking us. Does he really, really need our 10%? Not really. But what he's looking for is the intention of our willingness of our heart yeah. to give that 10%. Whether it's our finances, whether it's a spiritual uh, opportunity to join a group and serve or however we want to do it. But the 10% of our money is not for God to benefit, but it's for his kingdom. And in doing so, it's a challenge to me. It's a challenge because he says to test him. Now, I do realize that test means to trust. Yeah. However, I take it one step further. I see God saying, Janita, if you will allow me to challenge you, I will show you my goodness. Mm. If you allow me to come by giving me the 10%, when things are really, really hard for you and the economy is not productive, and you are squeezing to make this end meet, that end meet, then we can come boldly to his throne because we have given our 10%. And we can come and we can ask God and remind him of his promises. And that's not because God can't remember his promises. Right. It's because he wants to build the faith in us to remember that his goodness is always available. Right. And that's why I tithe. It, it builds our confidence. That's correct. God, God's good. Yeah. He, he doesn't need anything. He's not sitting up there going, man, I sure hope these people give so I can do this. That he's, going, he's going to do it with someone. That's correct. It's just a whether if we get to be a part of it. It's not just limited to that tithes, but even that passage um, is translated tithes and contributions. So as God leads us, learning how to hear his voice. To be totally honest, and Megan talked about this last week, 10%, like, if, if you just take it, your annual, divide it by 12, and then you just 10% that number, if you're already bound by a lot of bills mm -hmm. and responsibilities, that's a big number at the beginning of every month to go, man, you sure, you sure wasn't 2%? Did he miss here? The T in the front? So here's, here's where we encourage you, okay? This is not out of need. Certainly it's not out of need that you share this because no. you don't, we don't pay you a dime. <laughs> it's the conviction of your heart, which is what it is for us, which is why we share it. So we just say, if you can't start there, start somewhere. Preemptively giving, not spontaneously, not if you have it, but intentionally, preemptively taking a certain percentage and saying, you know what, I'm gonna start here. And then the Bible says, examine, test, yes. try, watch, and see that I am faithful. Okay, so we spent like a week on that. I don't want, it, I don't, I don't want it to sound like we're begging for money because we're not. That's not the intent of this at all. You went from salvation under I wanted to say a broom tree, like Elijah, you know, but salvation <laughs> under a tree. It was a china ball tree. Who remembers china ball trees? A china ball a tree. A china ball tree. It makes these little balls. Yeah, you know? no, no. Yeah. Those are cursed devil trees. Okay, whatever. What that was the tree I sat under. <laughs> Those things shoot out from underneath lawnmowers <laughs> like airsoft rifles. Yeah. Okay, so, but you, but you redeemed it. You redeemed that tree. Um, all right, so you went from this green thumb of plants yes. 
to receiving salvation. And today you lead the largest, not so small group um, in, in the church. I would, I wanna ask, I know this is a big question, but, but how do you grow from that? For people that maybe sense God's calling them to do more than what they, they've got this stirring, they don't really know what to do with it, and they got more ambition really than they have preparation at this point. How did you grow into that? Well, I'll say to you that if you're having a stirring to do that, then that's, chances are, you need it. Mm. And I'm gonna say that because if God's stirring it in you, it's you who needs it. And if you do need it, then it's got to be able to be able to be, I guess, put out like you do your tithes. Mm. You've got to do the same action that you did, you do with tithes, you do the same thing. You step out and you say, Lord, I feel this stirring in me. I have this burden that I don't even understand what it is. I, I want to help people, but I don't know how. Well, there are all kinds of ways you can step out and do that. But mainly, when you do that, it needs to be something that you're passionate about. Because if you're not passionate about it and God didn't put it in there, then it's going to slowly begin to actually dwindle away. And then yeah. you're going to get discouraged. So if there's a passion stirring inside of you, step out. Yeah. Just, just begin to do it. And, you know, God will send them. God sends them. I don't, get right. on, I don't get on the radio, I don't get on TV, I don't beg anybody, but let me tell you, if you're sincere and you're true, people talk. Again, yeah. like I said, people look, they're looking for the sincerity. Right. So, uh, simply phrased up, this, we didn't do this the other day, this is extra, just for you. Um, if you feel like God wants you to produce it, mm -hmm. then you have to be willing to take the time to prepare for it. That's correct. You have to go through the process. Mm -hmm. So many people are like, I want it and I want it now. And we take that into our Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Craig Groeschel that said it at a conference. We overestimate what God wants to do immediately. And we underestimate what God wants to do over time, over a lifetime of faithfulness. Okay, so you have this group of Predominantly ladies, but, but all of us listen, which is why our staff said, you gotta get Miss Janita. So here you are, um, and you've said several things which confirms why we were supposed to have you. You have young mamas to senior saints no longer living with their spouse, this, this generational gap, even, if you will, and then everybody in between. How do you stay full to minister to all of those people, including all of the unbelievers and the business and the family? How do you stay full? Okay, so um, when my husband and I, Bob and I married, the first thing that we agreed on in our marriage was that we were going to study the word together. Mm. Anybody who came to my house, I had my table set, I had six chairs, you never sat at the end of the table. That was the spot where Bob sat and we studied the word. You could sit at the other five chairs, that was fine. <laughs> and if it was a holiday, I had to hear him complain because I had moved all his stuff. You see, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have computers. We didn't have online. We had books and they were laid everywhere. Nonetheless, with that mentality, I 
knew that no matter how bad life got, even when I'd get angry at my husband and, you know, go to bed very, very upset, I'd get up in the morning and the first thing he would tell me is, okay, come on, we got to study. And we'd get our differences going across that table, but it was the Word of God that sustained us. You see, the Word of God, whether you want to start a small group or you want to minister to somebody in Walmart, If the Word of God is not inside of you, what are you going to tell them? Mm. Are you going to advise them on your life when it's a mess? No, because, you know, I tried that. It didn't work. (laughs) I needed the Word of God inside of me so that I would know how to operate, not just for my life, but for other people's lives. So the Word of God, every morning at my desk, I sit down and I open the Word. First of all, before I do that, I check my intentions. I check my heart because I'm not a pleasant person. I know y'all see me as that, but I'm not. I'm not always. Me either. You give me hope. No. (laughs) But when I say I'm not a pleasant person, I'm very, very tunnel visioned. I am very direct sometimes. I can even be abrasive. So I have to ask God every morning, please, Lord, help me to be gentle. And so if I am operating in my abrasive behavior, okay, I'm going to say it that way, then that is a sign to me that, hey, God wants to work a little bit more on you. Mm. So I need to go find scriptures that about mercy, because I'm not a merciful person. Mm. I know y'all think I am, but I'm not. <laughs> Ask uh, Pastor Weston, we gave me that little test. I think I tested four, which is very embarrassing. In mercy? In mercy. Well, if it makes you feel any better, oh. I tested a three oh, in intercessory my. prayer. Oh, well. That's okay. the lowest score you can get. So if you want somebody to pray for you. Anyway. I'll do my so best. The thing about it is, is you have, you have to let the word of God work those things that are imperfections. Yes. Okay. If there's an imperfection of anger or just bitterness, then Mm. go to the Word. Jesus tells us in details, whether it's through the parables, whether it's through the Gospels, whether it's in the Old Testament where we had to watch these people come to the Lord, go away from the Lord, come to the... How many times have we read that in the Old Testament? It's a lesson to us. It's a lesson to us. He tells us how to... Every detail. People say, well, there's no manual on how to raise children. Yes, there is. It's Mm. called the Bible. There's no manual on how to run a business. Yes, there is. Go read Ephesians. Yes, yes. So with that said, the word of God is the only thing that's going to sustain you, really. And, and we can be lazy about it, but you are going to pay for your laziness. Consistency is the thing that works, being consistent. Some people say, well, I only do it three times a week. I cannot. I become very ugly if I do it three times a week. You don't want to come on Tuesday if I've only done it on Monday. That's, yeah. that's all I can say. I, I mean, it, did, did you only eat three times last week? No, uh, I mean, not at all. No, you ate three times every day last week, yeah. right? Yes. Why do we think that, that spiritual food is less important than physical? We spend all day thinking about what our next meal is. Well, I spend all day we all thinking do. about, we wake up, what am I going to eat? Yeah. We, we go to work about halfway through the morning. What am I going to eat for lunch? We finish our lunch and throughout our afternoon, man, what am I going to have for dinner? If, what, what if we did that with the Word of God? Well, if we the had result that. would be exactly what the results are. I would be very, I'd be slamming the door on y'all's face. If that's how I treated myself. But I knew from the get-go that it was only the Word that was going to. Mm. And Debbie would tell me, she was such a good spiritual mom, 
She would tell me, Janita, you need to start in the book of John because that's where you're going to learn to be kind. Mm. So if you're having a problem with being kind to people, go read the book of John. It shows you how John tells us everything about Jesus and the Godhead and who he is. And it makes you stop and realize that God is in control. Yeah. You know? I love what you said. It, God has removed every excuse mm -hmm. that we have for not spending time. We used to say, well, Christianity's just cheesy. Not anymore. Mm -mm. It's phenomenal. Worship is phenomenal. Absolutely. The, the presentations of the gospel, even from The Chosen, which some people don't, to Superbook for Kids. Right now, media, there's a plethora. There is no more excuse to not spend time with Jesus. The YouVersion Bible app, if you don't already have it, you need to download it. That's, that's topical. You can search the topics. You don't even have to have multiple books anymore. You could just use your phone for godly purposes instead of all the other mess that we, I ain't even got time to get all into all that. But we, we aim, so in spending, if people understood how transformational it is in your life, legitimately transformational, to hear the word of God, to read God's word every, every day. It's as beneficial as eating every day. We don't go, man, I hope I eat this week. You know, I just don't know if I'm gonna have time or not. You know, I'm just so busy. You know, I might only eat three meals between now and next Sunday. I just don't, we don't do that, because, but we don't understand the significance. Spiritually, we're starving. Mm -hmm. Yes, we And are. we could change that by just eating a couple of times a day. And then applying it. Okay, reading it, I, I sit at my desk and I, it's good to read a chapter, but it's better to read one verse and let it do the work it needs to do. If the verse is telling us that we need to be kind to one another. Mm. Then you might, if you're not being kind, then you need to dwell on that and then you need to apply it. Find somebody to be nice to that day. Yeah. You know, if nothing else, say, I'm going to exercise what I've learned today in the word. I'm going to apply it, not just to my life, but I'm gonna see how God trans changes my relationship with that person, you know? And so it's applying what we've learned. It's better to read one little old tiny verse and use it as a daily bread, as a manna, like we sing about. Give us this day yeah. our daily bread. You can't live off of yesterday's revelation. Nope. You will starve trying to stay full off of yesterday's meal every day. If you change one thing over this 40-day period before the end of the year and the first 21 days of the first of the year, because we're starting our fast on January 1st this year, if you could change one thing, it's get in God's word every day, a daily reading plan. And aim for seven and hit four or five, that's better than what you're doing right now. But God's word will transform you. I meditate on your word day and night. Of all the things we meditate on, we're spending, but this is so significant. If we could get this, our staff, we harp on this constantly. If you're overwhelmed, if you're, insecure, if you're getting burnt out, the first thing I ask, how much time are you spending in God's word? How, how much are you reading? How much, and it's annoying. Well, I mean, I, but you, when you do that, it changes you. You said when Debbie Youngblood mentioned the name of Jesus, yeah. something on the inside of you shifted. That's right. 
There's power in his name. And John wrote about Jesus that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have to get in his word. So I think we kind of answered how do you keep from being overwhelmed by the demands of life? Your relationship with Jesus. Is there anything else? How do you keep that relationship strong? I have a unique relationship with the Lord. I'm sure everybody probably says the same thing, and I don't mean to to sound like as if I... I actually sit down in my living room after I've read the Word. I didn't tell you this. I don't even know if it's... Okay. I will go sit, and I will just wait. You know how... This is going to sound really cheesy, but... You know how you just kind of sit and wait for somebody to either call or to come to your house or... If you're going to wait patiently for someone has, most of us don't wait patiently anymore, but I've had to train myself to do that. I train myself to try to just sit there and wait. Mm. And I'll wait and I'll wait. And then I start hearing the spirit of the Lord speak to me gently. It's, it's nourishing. It's, it's, it's refilling me. It's refreshing me Mm. because I get tired. I'm not young anymore and I still do a lot. And people draw from you. They, they don't, it's necessary that they ask you questions and you have to tell them things and you have to direct them, but they, they draw from you. And if you don't learn to take time to go sit down and be one-on-one with Jesus, mm. then you're never going to understand how he refills your cup. Mm. He fills that cup back and then you're refreshed again. So as simple as that may sound, I almost didn't even say it, but it's necessary. Yeah, we, t- we teach that to yeah. yield. Yeah. Those who wait on the Lord yeah. shall renew their strength. Be still and know yeah. that he is God. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't put our hands to the plow right. and that we don't work and that we don't produce and that we don't go and that we don't get. All those things have to be done too. But you said people draw on you and they do. Mm-hmm. They, they will do. draw on you. Yes, they do. And if they're drawing from an empty well That's right. versus drawing from a life spring, you're not going to get enough just on Sunday to share what God wants to give through you on Monday, Tuesday through Saturday. That well has got to be full and it's got to remain full. Real quick, do you separate, do you separate family and business and ministry and leadership? How do you categorize all those things or I do not compartmentalize I do not um I don't do my business one way and my family another way and my ministry another way Pastor Chris because Jesus is the head Mm. God if you're walking in order there's an order we learn that in freedom we learn about spiritual order if God is not first in your life then you're in trouble to begin with Okay, that's that's a given. But if you can't put God first in your business, in your family, in your ministry, in your church and in your community, then you're trying to do it yourself. Mm. If I try to run my business one way, then I'm going to have certain standards for that business one way. I don't. Whatever the word of God tells me to do, I operate that in my business the same way. Mm. Um, I have rental business. Okay. I have lots of tenants. 
And if the Lord says, you cannot allow these people who are dealing drugs or, uh, you know, illegal weapons to stay in your house, Janita, because that's why. Why? That's harmful, right? I have to say, okay, God, I'm willing to evict them. I'm willing to lose money because your word says that we cannot be joined with that type of activity. Mm. I'm willing to go. Ask Miss Christie. She sees me at the, quite often. <laughs> I go there. I, I will, why do I evict them? Because I'm a mean person? No. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm doing it because the word of God says that you cannot allow this type of activity to take place. And if evicting them and making them leave and I'll lose money, that's God's way. That is God's way. And I have to operate under that. So I don't compartmentalize my life. I, I, I love, it sounds like to me you're saying everything starts from the top mm-hmm. and, and runs down from there. That's right. Like that your relationship, you don't separate family leadership, ministry, those are part of your identity. That's right. But your identity is found in him and he's the source. So whether you're in your earlier years than mine or your middle years, or you're serving in what you referred to as some of your latter years because you don't have the energy that you used to have. Wherever that is, the source is your personal relationship with Jesus. That's correct. The source is your time with him and your obedience to his voice. That's That's how we pastor. That's how you evangelize. That's how you give. That's how you serve. That's how you... Stay pure, my God, help us in a generation of immorality saturated in our society. So we, how you keep from getting overwhelmed, how you stay strong, how you grow. Okay, just to land this conversation, for anybody in here or watching online who's just not confident, in their relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe they're living in all out rebellion or sin, or maybe at one time they were and they're just not currently. What would you say to somebody today that just needs to renew their relationship with Jesus? To the person who needs to renew their relationship to Jesus, I would say, come back. Mm. I would appeal to you to surrender totally because you, just because you've strayed for a little while, that's, that's not the point. The point that you strayed is not the point. The coming back is the point. Mm. Coming back, humbling yourself and saying, you know, Lord, I didn't do very well. I once knew you, but I don't know you anymore, and I've strayed away, and there's no hope for me. There's always hope. The Lord's always rest- bringing us back, even though maybe you don't realize it, but he's guiding you, and he's quickening you and he's telling you, you just have to be obedient. And to the person who doesn't know Jesus, Mm. to the person who thinks that their life is okay and they're making wrong decisions, but they think they're okay, I would say to them that eventually there will come an opportunity, something you will encounter, whether it's a heartache, whether it's some type of situation, it's going to come, it's going to arise and you will have to make a decision. Yeah. No man dies without knowing God. 
I know people have argued with me and said, oh yeah, but so-and-so died and they never knew Jesus. No, they were given the opportunity. Mm. It's whether you capitalize on it the moment it's given you the chance to do it. Mm. Don't say no because you don't know how many times you're gonna be given that opportunity. The Bible says that. He says, you know, we don't know how many times we are going to have the chance. So to, to the person who doesn't know the Lord, if you even feel the inkling mm. or the idea that you need to go to church or you need to come to know Jesus, then quickly run. Mm. Run to him because you don't know if what's going to happen.